Blog Talk Radio. to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Well, here we are for another exciting episode of Blog Talk Radio, where we're going to talk with uh, a guest who will help broaden our mind, open our perspective, uh, give us a new point of view, perhaps uh, a new connection as far as our faith and the culture we live in, which is what we're all about here at The Catch. Uh, connecting life to faith. That's what we like to do. And uh, that's what we've been doing here for a number of years. And we're so happy that uh, many of you are are following us and that many of you follow uh, Blog Talk Radio uh, regularly. So we want to thank you for that. And uh, we have a very special guest uh, tonight. Um, He is a, a good friend over the years and also a I will say an advisor to us at the catch. And um, uh, he is a very well known name in, uh, in Christian and religious circles, basically due to the Barna research uh, program that uh, continually is researching uh, faith, and culture and religion and people's attitudes uh, towards towards uh, spirituality and towards America and and the world around us. Uh, incredible uh, uh, research program and and also I I rely on these guys a lot. They keep uh, letting us know a lot about the the young people, the millennials and the. Uh, Gen Zers and what are they thinking and what's going on with their life and they keep that going. Um, it's very exciting uh, the work that they do. So uh, and uh, our guest tonight um, is the founder of that whole program. His name is George Barna. You might not be a new name to to many of you. Probably shouldn't be. And uh, but most recently he has also uh, been spending time in. At uh, although I know he's here in Southern California, but he's been spending time in Arizona at Arizona Christian University, where he directs a research program there. He's kind of found a home at the university and where he teaches and runs research and basically uh, senior research fellow for their Center for Biblical Worldview. And that is what we are going to talk about uh, tonight primarily because it's uh I was so excited to find out that this is something um that he's been working a lot on lately and something that he really wants to talk about too because uh that's been kind of my my theme uh for many many years is uh 
Christianity and 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 worldview. Of course, uh, that's that's going to be fun because everybody means something different when they say worldview. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get into it, uh, and it'll be fun. So please welcome to Blog Talk Radio our special guest tonight, George Barna. George, well, welcome back to to uh, Blog Talk Radio. Well, thanks for having me, John. It's always good to be with you. Yeah. Um, well, tell us about this new uh, chapter in your life uh, in Arizona. What are you doing there, and uh, what uh, what excites you about that? Well, you know, for many years, John, I've been looking for a Christian university that really was focused on worldview development and, and takes it very, very seriously. And when I found Arizona Christian University, what attracted me to it was the fact that not only did I know the president and some of the faculty members there and had good relationships with them, but when I studied the school, what I found out is that everything they do revolves around worldview development. Every class you take, every major that students sign up for, every uh, extracurricular activity, including sports, your coaches are more spiritual coaches or just as much spiritual coaches as they are athletic coaches. So, I mean, it, it really is focused. Every single class you take is taught through a worldview lens, trying to get you to think of things in terms of worldview. So that was great. And, you know, the, the school is all about taking that worldview and translating it into a way of transforming culture with God's truth. And so to be able to start a research entity at the school where I get to work with the faculty and administration, and then we've got many ministry partners around the country, different organizations and churches that we share the information with so that they can take it and put it into practice. Uh, You know, all of this geared toward trying to bring America back to God at a very deep and meaningful level. It's been a wonderful partnership, and I'm, I'm so privileged to be part of it. Oh, that's great, um, George. You know when we when we talk about worldview, I, I, if you have a hundred people, you kind of probably have a hundred different ideas of what it is. So tell us, um, just in in broad terms, what do you mean by by uh, worldview, Christian worldview? Yeah, is there, well, think? yeah, first. First of all, I don't talk about it as a Christian worldview. I talk about it as a biblical worldview. And uh, to me, there's an important distinction there we can talk about later if you want. But essentially, a a worldview is the intellectual, spiritual, and emotional filter that a person uses to make decisions. And so we're always making decisions, but you can't make a decision unless you have a way of uh, understanding and interpreting and responding to that information or those stimuli. And so the worldview is the thing that helps us to make sense of all of these these pieces of information, all the opportunities and challenges that we face. Everybody Hmm. has a worldview. Everybody doesn't have the same worldview. And so that's why we do the research to try to figure out, well, what is the worldview that people have? And, and we've been quantifying that in ways that haven't been done before. And this has been pretty enlightening, I think, for at least for me and some of the leaders I've been working with. But it, it's important that people recognize, yes, you have a worldview, so don't roll your eyes when somebody talks about worldview. We're talking about you. Everybody has one. Right. Most people don't know what their worldview is. They couldn't explain it. They couldn't name it. They couldn't articulate mm-hmm. it. 
and mm-hmm. yet it's the thing that's driving their life. There's a big question I have uh, that I'd love to ask, get your opinion on, George. Uh, is there a, well, you say biblical worldview. Is there a worldview that all Christians should have? And if we all have it right, are we all going to be have the same worldview? You know, I, I would say, generally speaking, yes. Here's part of the challenge. You know, I was talking with the theologian Wayne Grudem one day about worldview development, and mm-hmm. he's one of my theological heroes. I love Wayne and the things that he writes and speaks about. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it. He said, well, here's part of the problem, George. For somebody to have a biblical worldview, you need to know everything that's in the Bible, and you <laughs> need to do everything that the Bible tells you to do and believe. He said, and, and there's no human being that has ever done that or probably will ever do that, given that the Bible also tells us that we're imperfect, we're sinners, we need God's guidance, you know, we're, we're, uh, mm-hmm. you know we ignore his guidance more often probably than we accept it. So, you know, it, it's a process. It's a process of trying to understand more and more about what the Bible teaches, what it means, what it looks like in practice, but a major part of developing a biblical worldview is that determination to invest yourself in the process of knowing the scriptures well enough and being committed to them and, and to the Lord God well enough or deeply enough that we're always trying to be more like Christ. The whole idea of having a biblical worldview is to think like Jesus, and the reason you want to think like Jesus is so that you can then act like Jesus. And the connection there is that we do what we believe. And so our beliefs matter, and they matter because that's what gets translated into our action. And our action is what gives us a legacy. It's what makes a difference or an impact on the world. Hmm. Uh, is, so is worldview then something, obviously, it obviously is something that you can teach, uh, if if this is if this is you know what what you guys are working on um, there at uh, at the university, um, how can you assess that? You know uh, what are, what are there are are there primary things that you look for like you know sin and the fall of man and gospel and reconciliation and things like that? How, how do you do that? You know, that's a great question, John, because that was the first thing that we had to confront as we started working Mm -hmm. on this measurement process, is how do you measure God's truth in practice? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I spent about eight months working with the faculty administration at the school. They've been doing this for years and years. You know, the school's 60 years old. So they have a track record. So we tried to unpack, yeah, how do we do what we do? Why do we do it, et cetera? And the way it wound up was that I, I found that there are about eight different areas of beliefs and perceptions and behaviors and, and choices that that we could start measuring. And, and those were things like uh, Bible truth and morality, you know, because there are a lot of Bible verses and stories and teachings and principles that relate to the Bible and truth and morality. You know, another one had to do with human nature and human character. The Bible has a lot to say about that. Third area was God, creation, and history. 
the fourth area, sin, salvation, and God relationships. And it goes on. You know, I could go through all eight areas. But the okay. idea was, you know, when you start to look at all these principles, you find out, yeah, they start to relate together in some interesting ways. And as we try to help a young person develop their worldview, we focus on those eight particular areas and the biblical principles related to them. What do you find, George, about the students as they're coming in, coming in as freshmen? You know, what, where are they at? What are they thinking? Do they have much Bible teaching these days? Uh, under their belt? You know, I, I would say just based on the research that I've been doing for the last 40-plus years that today's students, even those that would go to a school like ours where they know that we're going to be constantly referring to the Bible, where they know that we're all about Jesus and his mm-hmm. life and, and his purposes, even they haven't had nearly as much Bible training as yeah. students 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So that's right. on the wane. And we can see that in the research we're doing with the millennial generation in particular. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So so what are you, what are you guys doing about that? Well, uh, of course, you know, our, our purpose is to take them from where they are and bring them down the pathway to biblical understanding and application. And, and so... One of the tools that I created for the school, excuse me, was uh, what we call the student worldview inventory. So before they actually set foot on campus for the first time to to start their academic career, every student takes a 96-question inventory that we've created to measure their worldview. And then they Hmm. take it again at the beginning of every academic year, and then they take it one final time before they graduate, before they go same up to get their diploma. Same questions, right? Yes, same questions over wow. you know the, the course of those five administrations. And, mm-hmm. and what that allows us to do is to track them over time so mm-hmm. that we can find out, are we making progress with them? Where are we not doing as well as we should be in terms of helping our entire student body to make progress in their worldview? We're the only academic institution, the only university in the country, maybe in the world, that tracks their students based on their worldview. But it's not important to us that we want to know what are they coming in with and what are they leaving with? How can we improve the process? And part of it, too, is to make sure that we're being honest with their parents. Their parents are paying a chunk of change to send their students to this school, (laughs) and, and we're promising them you know what, when they leave here, their worldview is going to be much closer to that of, of the Lord. And so, you know, it's an empty promise if you can't prove that it's true. What do you find is uh, their their attitudes uh, about this this emphasis in the study? Are they generally pretty excited about it, or do they complain about it, or where, where are they at generally? You know, in my observation, what happens with students is they come in, they're more focused on sports or mm-hmm. other kinds of activities than they are on their worldview. Because, mm-hmm. again, as they've been raised, that's not something that they've heard a lot about. It's not something that's been very intentional for them. And so when we start talking worldview, 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 and, and they start getting all these specific uh, you know, academic inputs and, and theological inputs and, and interpersonal inputs and so forth, 
you know, they're not that excited about it, to be honest. But <laughs> over the course of time, what we find out is they, you know, the light bulb goes on, and mm. they watch some of the upperclassmen whose lives are different. They watch their professors whose lives are different, and they start thinking, hmm, I wonder if it's because of this worldview stuff they're talking about. And they start to tune into that a little bit. And what we find is by the time that they're ready to graduate, they get it, they're excited about it, and they can't wait to take it out into the world and make a difference with it. And so we have graduates right now who, for instance, are at Harvard Law School, who are working for, uh, you know, the attorney generals of, of a couple of states. You know, our graduates are spreading out there, and they're excited to be in that marketplace because they say, you know what, I'm bringing something completely different here. I have the opportunity to change the course of conversations where I'm working. Even though I'm a young kid and I'm working with these seasoned veterans in these fields, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to give them a different way of understanding life and to be that kind of light in the darkness. So we get excited about those kind of stories. Wow. George, is it, is it uh, do they have like, uh, you know, how, how do you convey this? It, it, do, do you have certain classes that are just all about worldview or is it, is it world uh, a worldview built into all the classes that obviously you'd have to have the faculty, you know, a hundred percent behind this thing? Yeah. Again, a great question. And and I think it's one of the things that distinguishes Arizona Christian from many other schools. It's really both. And yes, we have a couple of core classes that all students are required to take that look very specifically at the concept and the application of worldview, biblical worldview. But then, you know, you look at the other, however many other classes it is, 30-some classes that they take beyond those two, and every one of those classes is taught from a biblical worldview perspective, often comparing what a, what a person trying to be Christ-like would think or do in a given situation or what the information means to a Christ follower as opposed to what it might mean to a Marxist, what it Mm -hmm. might mean to a secular humanist, etc. So you can't get away from it on the campus. No matter what your major is, it's integrated into your major. If you're a math major, you're a music major, you know, whatever your major is, you're going to be studying essentially worldview. That's a critical element. And, 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 you know, we believe that that's the only way you're going to get it is when you're saturated with it. That's great. Uh, There's one, there's something I've been saying for years, uh, George, ever since, um, well, ever since, you know, we went through the Jesus movement way back in the early seventies. And, and so we were, we were, we were connecting with our culture um, through music and we were, we were not accepted in the church uh, in the beginning. And we were, you know, we were trying to reach the world with our guitars. That's one of the ways I, I always say it in its simplest form. Uh, but then I think you know what happened. The, the music uh, caught on big time. We had a lot of people come, come to Christ those first couple of years of, of uh, 71, 72 in there. And uh, and then it kind of just 
completely flooded into the church. And now we've got all this contemporary music in the church and we have not, we have a huge Christian subculture. Then we have Christian radio, we have Christian books, Christian this and that. And uh, we had a whole, well, as I say, a Christian subculture. And I got to become very concerned over the years that that was starting to look like a place to hide. It was starting to look like a, you know, let's create a safe Christian environment for everybody so we don't have to tackle this awful world we live in. And uh, and yet, to me, that's a denial of what Jesus said. I, I ask not that you remove them from the world, but that you protect them uh, from the evil one. So, you know, I've always said uh, in the last few years, the world doesn't need Christian music. It needs Christians in music. It, it doesn't need christian movies it needs christians in hollywood uh it doesn't you know you can fill in the blanks there uh is that something that would be affirmed there at arizona christian university do you think that kind of approach let's let's get people into the real world and not just into the christian uh idea of what the world is yeah totally i mean you know we our our goal is not to populate churches with our graduates. Now, mm-hmm. if, if some of our graduates go to work at churches, that's fine. We have a, a lot of kids from our music program who wind up as worship leaders at churches. Right. That's fine. We have no problem with that. But at the same time, we want our kids performing on stage at Carnegie Hall. We want them as studio musicians in Hollywood and Nashville in New York. I mean, we want them, no matter, you know, what your area is, you mm-hmm. know, if it's political science, you wind up becoming a lawyer, great. Don't just work for Alliance Defending Freedom. They do phenomenal work. But there are a lot of other law firms that are engaged in cases that go to the Supreme Court. You could make a big difference in how that case gets argued or what the ultimate decision is. You know, go where God wants to put you. Don't you decide where you want to put you let God choose how to use you in the world. He put you here to be in the world, not of it. And therefore, be prepared at all times to give a reason for the hope that's within you, no matter what situation you wind up being in. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to get them to be well-rounded enough and prepared enough that they are the gospel in any situation where they wind up being. Yeah, that's so good. That's really good. When we were talking uh, before we went on the air here, you mentioned something about that you are you've been taking some of these worldview questions to a wider base. I guess uh, you know Christians uh, all over the country. Tell me a little bit about that and what well, you're finding. Not just Christians, yeah, not just Christians all over the country, but all people around the country. Every year we do a large nationwide survey on worldview with a representative sample of the entire adult population. Because we're trying to figure out, are we as Christians, are we as the church, capital C, moving the dial closer to where it ought to be, or are we being overwhelmed by the culture and we need to rethink our strategies? And so last year uh, was the first year that the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, did this big national study on worldview, and we found that only 6% of adults in America, including uh, you know, less than one out of five uh, born-again Christians, have a biblical worldview. And wow. this year, 
our survey not only looked at how many have a biblical worldview, but we also looked at, well, if only 6% have a biblical worldview, what do the other 94% have? And mm-hmm. so, you know, we did a groundbreaking study. Again, it took months and months to, to conceive and develop and test before we rolled it out. But we look at what are the worldviews that Americans are buying into. And the big finding, one of the big findings out of that study and we're putting these reports out now. Every two weeks I write another section of the, the study for the public. They're, they're free on our website at the, at the yeah. center. But we found that 88% of Americans have the same worldview, and that yeah. worldview is what we would call syncretism, which means they don't really have a worldview at all. What they're doing is they're picking and choosing pieces from all these other worldviews, from secular humanism, from postmodernism, nihilism, Marxism, uh, moralistic therapeuticism, all these different worldviews, we're not even sophisticated enough to buy lock, stock, and barrel into one particular worldview. So Hmm. instead what we're doing is we're just pulling pieces out of other existing worldviews and bolting them together into what essentially becomes a, a customized worldview that makes us feel comfortable that we think might make wow. us more popular, that helps us feel like we belong to a particular group of people, all of this. And that's where America's at today. And so, wow. you know, those of us who believe that people ought to be obeying God, ought to know his principles and living by them, because he gave them to us so that we would be able to thrive. And when we ignore them, we do it to our own detriment. So we want people to have a biblical worldview, but we've really got our work cut out for us. I could see that, uh, you know, that you say that's the most popular, that syncretism, that's the most, I can understand why it would be, because it sounds so right, you know, um, I I'll pick, I, I will decide what I think is true. And I will take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And uh, I could see why that's, that's very attractive uh, to, to somebody. And uh, uh, as a matter of fact, probably pretty hard to get them to think in other terms that there might actually be uh, a worldview that's solid, that's something that truth is truth out there, and it's not relative to what you think about uh, about it. You know, uh, boy, that's a huge challenge, is it not, to us right now? Oh, absolutely. We know from this research that two out of three Americans would argue that there is no such thing as absolute moral truth, that the only truth that an individual could know is a truth the truth they identify, that they define, and that they choose to follow. And that being the case, what happens is everything is up for grabs. If there are no moral truth, there's really no boundaries. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that you have to be beholden to. You are the dictator of your own little universe. Nobody can tell you you're right or wrong. Only you know what's right or wrong for you. And that's part of the challenge that we have in this country today. That's That's really our postmodern age, is it not, that we well, are in, right? Yeah. It's postmodern, it's Marxist, it's nihilist. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, that fits in with a lot of the non-biblical worldviews. A lot of them would say, no, 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 don't, don't worry about any one body of truth. 
you know, truth comes from within. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, uh, wow, we've got our work work cut out for us, don't we? Well, we do, you know, because as we look at this whole process, what we know is that worldview in America essentially develops by default. Biblically, parents are the ones who are supposed to be helping their children to develop their worldview. John, a worldview starts developing at 15 to 18 months of age. It's almost completely developed for almost all people by the age of 13. And so parents, you know, you go back scripturally, Deuteronomy 6 and other passages, their primary job in life is to help prepare their children for the rest of their life. And you do that by developing their worldview because that's what determines all the choices they're going to make in life. But parents mm-hmm. aren't doing it. Churches aren't helping parents to do that. No. And so no. culture is doing it. Media is doing it. The government is doing it. Schools are doing it. And you can see the mess that we're in as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, some, sometimes these days I'm not real, I'm not real hopeful for churches. Uh, they appear to be more concerned with uh, be, getting full than of people than, than what the people are thinking. <laughs> well, and, and we found that to be the case. We, we, we looked wow. at what do churches measure to determine whether or not they're successful. And it was how many people show up, how much money they raise, how many programs they offer, oh, how many staff members they hire, and how much square footage they build. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah, I'm sure glad you're doing what you're doing. And it sounds like it's it's something that's uh, really necessary. Uh, I can't believe it. Our, our time is uh, already up. It always goes so fast. Uh, is there one one last thing you can say to to all of us from the whatever place we are in where we find ourselves as uh, believers in the world uh just what would be your your last piece of encouragement of some good news for us well essentially it would be to to thank god that we are here at this point in time we look out at the world and it looks like a mess it's totally turbulent chaotic But you know what? We're here for such a time as this. We are God's remnant. And so we can't just sit back and throw up our hands and say, oh, man, I just hope I last until the end. We are here to transform the world with God's love and truth. And Mm. so this is a great time to be alive if you really want to know and love and serve God. We could make a bigger difference than people at, at any time in American history. And so, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. Wow. Yeah. And and it really is important, George, wouldn't it? Isn't it important how people think and what they think? Uh, yeah. That, I mean, what, what, what you think determines how you're going to live and what yeah. kind of an impact you're going to have. So it is critically important. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we've got Romans 12, too. You know, let God renew your mind. Cool. Well, this is this was wonderful. Thank you, George. Uh, you know, we'll have you again because uh, we'll talk for another thirty minutes, I'm sure, without any problem on this subject. <laughs> so, uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, John. Okay. Take care. You too. Well, there you go, folks. Oh. Woo. We got our work cut out for us, it sounds like. And how exciting is that? 
know? That's what we're doing here. It's just trying to help you think about your Christianity, your your relationship with God, where you are in the world, what you're doing, how it fits together, and don't stop. You know, we got we got a lot of young people, a lot of millennials listening in. You know, they they've got they got a world uh, ahead of them that is so different from the one uh, many of us boomers grew up with. So uh, we we got to help help them get over this hump and help them understand uh, what it is to truly uh, have a faith and apply that faith to the world that we live in. So uh, God bless you. Keep listening to Blog Talk Radio. Remember, we've got uh, other things going on. You can go back and find them. George, are you still here by any chance? Yes, sir. Tell us, how can we get a hold of... uh, you know what you mentioned the website where, where do we go for stuff like that uh, culturalresearchcenter.com it's part of the Arizona Christian University website you can go to the university's website or you can just go directly to culturalresearchcenter.com you can download all of our information it's all free uh, you can sign up to be alerted to when the next uh, research based reports are coming out cool. we want people to be informed okay that's great. Thanks for hanging on because I, I forgot to do that. I really want to get that to everybody. Cultural great. Research Center, right? Yes, dot com. Dot com. Cultural Research Center dot com. Fantastic. Thanks again, George. Thank you. God, God. bless everybody. We'll see you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.